Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he f- but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Hallie and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that, the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. We you know what I'm saying? Go, Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You're the best. Oh, okay, best never mind. Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. Three, two, one. Now, the cool thing about what we have going on right here is that with Bonnie stuck in traffic, there is nobody to prevent us from doing a cold open if we want to. I don't want to do a cold open. What? I feel like we'd be doing it behind Bonnie's back. Yeah. That doesn't (laughs) feel good. (laughs) See, to me, that, that feels great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... You know, it was Bonnie who started with the cold open thing. Remember, she said, it's what they do on Better Call Saul. Like, as if there was any relationship. A, as if Better Call Saul invented it. They did not. And B, as if there's any relationship between our show and Better Call Saul. Well, I think the reason that people don't confuse us with Better Call Saul is that we don't do a cold open and they do. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes people do confuse it. Sometimes they call it, nobody listens to Saul. And better call Paula Poundstone, which is very awkward. So awkward when that happens, you know, because I don't look anything like Bob Odenkirk. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Damn it. I was going to ride the unicycle on the wire across my room. I forgot. Ugh. Yeah, and this would have been the perfect day for it because there's no Bonnie Burns. Yeah, exactly. By the time she shows up, you could have ridden that unicycle, sheared off your leg, sewed it back on. That would have been a great grabber. Yeah. Yes, it would have. <laughs> Great oh, grabber. All the things we miss out on. Been well, you know what, what could be grab? a good grabber now? Tony is sitting on the floor of her new apartment, and as our regular listeners know, the apartment is probably beginning to fill with water even oh as we my speak. God. So, no, it's not. So, so suspenseful is will we finish the podcast before the water reaches her mouth? Or the electronics. I think there's going to be kind of so that, that'll be oh, a grabber. Oh, yeah, that's a hazard. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a grabber right there. Yeah. Well, you know what? So Bonnie called me and she said she's stuck in traffic. She says stuff, though. Who knows? She's probably just in her house. Yeah. She goes, I'm stuck, honk, honk, in traffic. And that's what leads me to believe that it might have been fake. Because she said honk, honk? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds like somebody's faking it to me. Yeah, so I'm not really sure. But uh, anyways, well, okay, so... Uh, Let's do it! Yeah, I'm so sorry I forgot to ride across the wire on my unicycle. Disappointing. Well, you know what, Paula, that's okay, because I thought we were going to do it in tandem, so that's why I've hooked up this unicycle right over here. Oh, God. Oh, wow! So I figure I can just get on it, right? Except I did it one better. I put it over, you see this pit behind me full of spikes? Oh, yeah. Wait, are those alligators? Are those alligators? Yeah, alligators, yeah. yeah. I saw the spikes, but I wondered if those were alligators there behind the no, spikes. No, there's live alligators amidst <laughs> the spikes. The, and the reason why this is okay is because I've rigged up the system so that the unicycle literally can't fall. Oh, oh, you know what? So long as you've taken those safety precautions, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. That's, wait, yeah, is that, so here, let's, wait, let's go. Wait, isn't that your daughter behind you? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's, she, she's spotting me. Yeah. Wait, should she be that near the... No, no it, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. Here we go. All right. Yeah, Vivi, you stay back there. Just spot daddy. Spot daddy, Vivi. She looks awfully close to those alligators. Whoa. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> hold on. See, see, now, as long as I can hold on to the unicycle, there's no way that I can... Ah! <laughs> Ow! Oh, my God! Ah! Vivi, grab daddy's hand! Grab daddy's hand! Vivi, grab daddy's hand! Oh my god! Ow, that is one. Oh, Jesus. His, his hand just came off. Vivian, grab his arm now. Oh, other boy. hand! Other hand! This is. There's, you know what? I, this, I think this may have traumatized her. And by the way, is it me or is. What? Is what? that Jeannie's hair? There by that spike. Do you see Jeannie's hair? Uh, oh, good God, what's <laughs> happened here? <laughs> All right, Adam, let's get started with the hard. with Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. Let's start up. Okay, okay. What have I done? You'll, you know what? You'll be all right. Yeah, but all right. I think Bonnie was right about the cold open. <laughs> I'm so glad we've said that before she's here. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't want her ever hear that she was right, right about let's something. Let's just start the show. Daddy wants to start the show. Yeah. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, this is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, good reporters break news, but what happens when the news tries to break reporters? Every Lois Lane out there doesn't have a Superman, so how does she handle the Lex Luthors of the world when they both, for instance, reach for the same monogrammed hand towel? Think about it. It could totally happen. Anyway, we've got Elisa Lise Munoz of the International Women's Media Foundation here to walk us through the subtle art of walking through a dangerous story. And then, what's black and white and contains at least one maddening crinkle? It's the return of our Poundstone Riddle Invitational. I'm Adam Felber. This show's Jimmy Olsen. Doggedly following leads, always focused on framing things right, and sometimes oblivious to the obvious conversational dangers of working with such a volatile subject. 
And now, please welcome the hard-hitting, tough-as-nails journalist who always brings the story in at just under 100,000 words, it's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys, except Bonnie. Hey. <laughs> Welcome, Paula. And yeah, um, if we had a cold open, you would have learned that the most important thing that happened in it, I think, besides mayhem in my household, is that Bonnie Burns is late. She's not here. Yeah. Hey, Adam, um, yeah. I think that's blood spurting from your wrist. You might Where my just... hand was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me you... just tie that off yeah, and maybe... Yeah, yeah, I'm not the, so I'm not the seamstress that you are, Paula, so I'm you just know gonna... what? That's fine. Just take a second to do that because you know what? I would like to take... This moment, before I do anything else, to welcome back tonight's house band, Tim Sway on the fretless bass guitar. Tim makes guitars and other instruments from reclaimed and sustainable materials. You can learn more at newperspectivesmusic.com. That's newperspectivesmusic.com. And watch him make them at youtube.com slash timsway. Thank you, Tim, for being here. Adam, while you're still trying to... Well, I've done it. I've sewed it back on. It's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it, I do... It, it, it's kind of it's backwards. I see some dripping, so why don't you get a bucket for that? Okay, All right, bucket. And, and I'm going to take this time, Adam, now that I've welcomed the house spin, I'm going to take this time, this moment, to speak directly to those who work in the airports at the TSA. First of all, I want to thank you, TSA people. I'll bet you've prevented violent, dangerous situations by doing your jobs. So thank you. And I'm sure many of you are under a lot of stress. I'll bet the job doesn't pay that well and that your kid needs braces and that your life partner sometimes talks to you without the respect you deserve. Plus, I've sometimes walked by where you and your coworkers are gathered getting your instructions for your shift, which surely include keep a sharp eye out for the coughing woman with the cargo pants pocket stuffed with Kleenex. It's high octane, stressful stuff. I couldn't do what you do. However, TSA people, you could save yourself a lot of agitation if you viewed the traveling public with a bit more understanding. When, for example, you yell at the line of people putting their items on the conveyor belt, everything goes in a bin. You're not listening, people. See, you're not listening is something that a frustrated teacher might yell at her students because she gave an instruction repeatedly to the same group of students and they did not appear to follow her instructions. The traveling public in your line, however, are passing through. They may or may not be listening, but if you've repeated an instruction several times, the same people are not there to receive the instruction as they are passing through a line. Unlike some classroom students, by the way, most of the traveling public hopes to comply with your wishes and are not your adversaries. I could say more, but let's leave it here for now. I think you're right, Paula, and, and, and hopefully today, maybe 12 years into the existence of the TSA, we've begun to establish a dialogue that might lead to us not getting yelled at sometime in the next decade. <laughs> so that's yeah. wonderful. I'm just trying to reach out. I'm just trying to reach across that divide and let them understand that we're not trying to screw up. That's not our goal. No, we want to succeed. We want to be good. We want yeah. to be good passengers. I want to be liked by the TSA. That's part of the reason I travel. Really? 
Yeah, it's not just to go do a job that I need, you know, to get paid for. A lot of it is just TSA acceptance. Just, <laughs> just, I can, I forget. Oh, oh I guess I, uh, I was on my way to Philadelphia. Uh, no, I was, maybe I was on my way home to Los Angeles from Boston. And, uh, you know, some guy barking at me. I did something wrong. I Take everything out of your pockets. Everything, everything out of your pockets. Well, you know, what he doesn't understand is, it's not the same at every airport. Yes. There are airports where you start to take stuff out of your pocket and they go, leave, unless it's metal, you can leave. So no matter what you do, yeah, they, they it is. yeah, I think they just quickly change the rule by, and, and <laughs> even if it was standardized across the country, which it is not, but even if it was, the individual airports, the instructions still get changed every so often. And so there's just no, I, I try so hard to fit in. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You, I just, that you, it takes you back to the time in school when you didn't fit in. And, yeah, and here it yeah. is happening again at every yeah. airport in the country. I think when they yell at me, it's a repeat of my father saying, your mother and I have tried and tried with you and you never fail to disappoint us. Really? <laughs> every single time it comes as a surprise to you because I would think after a while you would just expect to be disappointed and therefore wouldn't be disappointed. But apparently, no. It makes it sound like you you were constantly getting worse. You'd have to be. Like, yeah. they were lowering expectations, but you beat them every time. Yeah. It was a very fast game of whack-a-mole. Just they couldn't. You know, my, <laughs> my mother said to me one time, and I think you'll back her up on this, and I think a lot of TSA guys feel this when they see me. My mother said that the worst mistake she ever made in her life was not sending me to charm school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't wow, know if that's that. the worst mistake she's made. She made. I have known you for a long time, Paula, but there's a certain unfinished quality to you. But I like that. I like that about you. I admit, a little rough around the edges, but you know, a little bit, a little bit. And I, I hope I'm not talking out of class here. You know, she was on her third marriage, and uh -huh. <laughs> I just think, <laughs> and you know, and maybe that's fine. I think it is fine. I, I don't care, but. You know, I do think that from not sending me to charm school to be a, a bigger mistake than perhaps one of the gentlemen. Marriage that, one or two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That strikes me as a little unlikely. That's all. It, yeah, it's unlikely. It might show a certain lack of self-awareness. Hey, Bonnie Burns here. Bonnie, you were stuck in traffic. Adam, I was stuck in traffic. How do you explain those burrs in your hair? I know. I haven't yeah. had a chance <laughs> to brush my hair or nothing. No, um, that's not what I meant. I meant there's sticks and things in your hair. Oh. <laughs> How is that from traffic? I got Give Bonnie credit. She half running. listened to that sentence, Paula. No, a woman ran out of gas in the lane to get on the freeway. In a oh, great no. big, like, the van kind of thingies. SUV. SUV, thank you. So it was really hard to go around her, and all the traffic was backed up, and it was 4 o'clock. She's saying a woman, but I'm, I'm wondering, Bonnie... If that woman isn't kind of short with dark oh rimmed God. glasses. Oh my God. Is it, oh. Does that woman have a AKA Captain Crinkle? That would stop me. Does that woman have black walls in her future? Yeah, right. <laughs> Did she sing the Stuck on a Ramp theme song? Stuck on a ramp. We got a ramp stuck. Uh, yeah, we got right. yeah. <laughs> Stuck on a ramp. I don't know what's after that. Anxious and damp. 
whatever. That's anyway, <laughs> you know what's interesting? She was from Massachusetts, had Massachusetts license plate. And so she looks like she's turning and people, whatever, they're all behind her. She gets out of her car, goes to the trunk, pulls out a gas can, and starts putting gas in her car. Like, you couldn't figure out you were low on gas. That was a little annoying. Wait, she had a gas can with her? She oh, had one weird. of those portable gas cans in the back. This hasn't happened. Well, this has happened to her yeah, before. I mean, yeah, exactly. I would imagine almost any gas can is portable. But, yeah, yeah, what do you mean portable gas can? If it's a gas can, oh, it's well, okay. portable. If you're going to be if technical. You, no, this one doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, did you guys do a cold open? We did not do a cold open. Oh, no, we didn't you do a cold didn't? open. No, 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 no we got nope, right into none. the show. No, we just, we thought since you weren't here, we should be on our best behavior. And we just got right into the show. Uh, Adam read the introduction and I quickly uh, thanked the house band. Everything was smooth as could be. It was so smooth. It was, it was like the the, the dream show. You know what? I have a feeling you're not telling me the truth. I just want to say one thing. Don't ask where Adam's wife is. <laughs> or where my left hand is. Yeah. Don't pay no attention to that dripping appendage there, that that stump of an arm. Don't worry about yeah. that. That's not important. That was the name of a band I was in in college. That stump of an arm? <laughs> no, a dripping appendage. I thought it was don't worry about where my hand is would be a good name for a band. Would it? Yeah. No? I don't think so. Okay. And with that, I'm calling no, this week's book story. club. No, wait, I have a story. It just reminds No, you don't, you don't get to say no wait when you no, show up I, late. I need to tell this story. Okay, it'll take you one second. You just did. You no, told- because we were talking about names of bands. Okay, so, you know, I moved to L.A. to be in show business from Seattle. Maybe I was like a little naive. Oh, Jesus. This no, story this is starts back 40 <laughs> years ago. Why is this well, happening? It's, you, it's fast. Okay, so we have the Eagles on this TV show I'm working on. It's a story about something that happened this afternoon. She's just getting the runway of 40 years ago. <laughs> what is happening? Anyway, this one guy, one of the Eagles, I don't know, I think it was Glenn Fry. he has a T-shirt on that says Moorhead. And I'm like, Moorhead? What does that mean? Is that a college? Moorhead? What? <laughs> I didn't even get Moorhead. It wasn't for the college. Not worth telling. Oh, there is a college called Moorhead, I'm pretty sure, but you're saying that's not what this was. Right. I went and sat at college and everybody looked at me like, oh, are you an idiot? It's Moorhead. So wait, it was like a sexual thing? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm wow. not sure I have the story right now. Okay, I, here's know. one. We had Kay Ballard on another no, TV show when I was even younger, and somebody said, what a dyke, and I went, dyke? What's that mean? Oh, wow. I, I'm just trying to figure out why any of this is relevant. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sharing. Yeah, but nobody asked you to. <laughs> I'm catching that. You know what? <laughs> if Bonnie Burns was not the cause of that traffic jam, I will eat a cat. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I swear. I swear. Oh, it was a woman with a gas can. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I like the Eagles too, ma'am, but can I just see your license and registration? <laughs> Officer, don't you get it? More head. More head. See? I think I have the story backwards. I have to think about it. All right. Hey, I'm going to call to order this week's book club. Let's get the book okay. club together. 
Well, I don't really feel like doing the theme song because I kind of don't have the energy I normally would when we, like, start the show. I'm kind of like... Bonnie Burns, you get right up to the mic. Okay. Yes, go ahead. I'll just do standard, normal version. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a bookie 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 book club. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a book club tonight. Buy a letter. Buy a letter. Buy a letter. <laughs> wow, boy. Yeah, that was nice. I didn't see that as standard in any way. That was inspired. No. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, Absolutely. Wait till you hear my riddle. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Later on in the show, we're going to oh, be doing the, the Poundstone Riddle Invitational. That's going to be something special. I want. I, I don't even want to preview it, but Bonnie's riddles have been really great so far. So this is yeah. going to be Oh, my fantastic. gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My understanding is the New York Times has asked Bonnie um, <laughs> to uh, write riddles for their newspaper. So Fantastic on the puzzle page, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's Burns' stumpers, they're called. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of stumpers, I'm stumped by why we're still reading this, but let's talk about chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. Now, to catch you up on what's going on in the book club, Tony hasn't read shit yet in this book. <laughs> Not true. Uh, and um, the rest of us are soldiering through. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, the mysterious roommate situation, which is not at all fun like Three's Company, between Roger Chillingworth and the Reverend Dimsdale. Uh, Come and knock at my door. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I wish it was like that. It's taken a dark turn because Chillingworth is probing into the depths of Dimsdale's dark secret. In fact, he sneaks in one night while Dimsdale is sleeping and looks at something on Dimsdale's chest and it capers around ecstatically having found out the secret that we kind of already all knew. Next thing you know, we're out in the town square in the middle of the night and Dimsdale is there just kind of standing there on the platform where Hester was put on public display and then Hester and the little girl join him there and then there's a giant A that appears in the sky and then uh, Chillingworth appears and walks Dimsdale home and that's about all we're at. We continue to discover the thing that we all already knew. You know, Adam, I'm surprised... You missed a little bit, if I if I may. Remnants of a mysterious animal have come to light in a remote jungle, and a group of scientists intend to determine if the find is an anomaly or evidence of an undiscovered beast. To accomplish their goal, the scientists must brave the most perilous pieces of land South America has to offer, but the terrain is nothing compared to the danger posed by an otherworldly being that endangers their work and their lives. I don't, um, I don't know uh, how you missed, missed that because I that's... I don't remember that bit at all yeah, from... Yeah, um, it's in there. In, in fact, I don't think that's anywhere... Did you read thoroughly chapter 12? I, I did, I did, and it was Dimsdale and Hester Prynne and Little Pearl standing on the platform. I suspect that you might have read Creature from the Black Lagoon... Oh, shit. Damn it. Did you? Did uh, you, Paula? I, I might have. I, I, okay. I, I might. It's so uh, easy to interpose these. No, um, it's really inter, not. Inter, they're, they're almost nothing like each other. All right. Well, okay. Let me just refresh everybody on chapter nine. Richard okay. and Emmeline have grown and blossomed <laughs> into young teenagers. A sexual awakening awaits them. But for now, Richard and Emmeline have made a comfortable life for themselves on their tropical island. But they long for the world they have left behind. 
That's now that that's good. another lagoon story. This one being the Blue Lagoon, and neither of them are the Scarlet Letter. Oh man, I was so close, so close. Uh, not really. Yeah, I not not, not yeah. at all really. So I did uh, read the, the chapters, and I'll tell you. You know, what? I'm holding up for you, uh, Adam Filber and Tony Anita Hall yeah. and Bonnie Burns to see my copy of The Scarlet Letter. It's not a big book. It's a it's, it's a slender a, volume. It's a slender volume. I mean, it's small print in this book, but nonetheless, it's a slender volume. And yet, I got to say, I still think that there wasn't a lot of editing. Uh, because <laughs> it, it, it kind of comes across that he might be best friends with Herman Melville, right? Nathaniel Hawthorne, that makes sense. Uh, Herman Melville's dad may have edited this as well as Herman Melville's <laughs> book because the whole thing about Dimsdale or whoever it is or, and uh, Crumbsworthy or whoever the other guy living together went Chillingworth, yeah. on and on and on. I say, oh my God. Uh, you know what? They should have used the theme song to The Odd Couple. Just, <laughs> yes. Just use that. Get One of them's messy right. and the other one's clean. Done. You yeah. know? Well, On August 23rd, Reverend Dimsdale was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. <laughs> that request came from his lord. Came from his wife. You know, I think we're discovering yet again, as we did with Moby Dick, that back in the 19th century, the novel kind of served a different purpose. Yeah. Which was yeah. to kill many a boring hour. Oh, my um, God. And, and <laughs> they didn't have Breaking Bad. so The only thing that could make this more, that chapter anyways, more tedious about the guy trying to find out the secrets of the other guy and the guy feeling, you know, some form of, you know, guilt that he has this secret. Whatever. The only thing yeah. that could have made that more tedious would have been commercials just <laughs> if there were commercials yeah i agree oh, i agree boy. does not clip along but you know there's other opinions out there there's other worlds out there well i i do want to just say one more thing apparently originally or at least the working title of the book was get to the fucking point <laughs> Thank you for the trivia there, Paula. Yep. Let's move on to a rapidly flooding apartment in Sherman Oaks, California. <laughs> oh, um, Tony Anita Hull, uh, how are things there? And how did you enjoy chapters 10, 11, and 12 of The Scarlet Letter? Every night, <laughs> I like to take fiber gummies to like keep myself regular and my system moving. Yes, there's fiber in those gummies. I think, you know what? You've said enough. <laughs> Maybe Tony doesn't understand <laughs> what the book club is for. <laughs> well, last night, Go I think, on. So I, think purpose. I, I think I forgot I took them, so I took them again, and I just had a rough morning. And I didn't, I was going to catch up this morning, and I didn't. Tony. Oh, my gosh. Tony, you know, I, there, there's so many things to unpack here. Go ahead, Paula. You first. I hope there are some high school kids listening, because... You know, many high schools, like my, I, this is my daughter Allie's copy of this book from when she was in high school. Many <laughs> high schools have their students read the Scarlet Letter, and kids come up with all sorts of excuses why they didn't. But I think <laughs> Tony Anita Hall has given you one 
that your teacher's not going to want to touch. You, you know what I mean? Like when my kids were sometimes doing something that they weren't supposed to do, they would go into the bathroom. Like, for example, if my son had an electronic he wasn't supposed to have, he would go into the bathroom. And, and somehow once someone's in the bathroom, you're just like, True. whatever, you know. Okay. All right. Like I never questioned. I suspected, right. but I wasn't gonna Fair. like barge in because you know awkward. Yeah. Uh, so Tony, I really think you've come up with something. This is fantastic. I, but I still haven't felt well all day. I get that you took a lot of fiber gummies, and maybe you had to not to, to find a point on it. Spend some extra time in that little room. But I do also want to say that the one thing that mankind has done since he discovered paper. Uh, in bathrooms is read a fucking book, Tony. <laughs> well, that's, that's true, like Tony. The one thing people do I... read, yeah, in the in the bathroom, they do. I couldn't concentrate. Oh wow! Uh -huh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Even now, you sound a little airy fairy. You do. You were like, I couldn't. Yeah. Concentrate. I don't feel well. I'm yeah. like freezing, and I my stomach hurts. I don't know if it's in the fiber gummies, though, but... Uh, you know what? I don't think that's I don't fiber. think you should be taking fiber gummies, Tony. That's a bad idea. But yeah, um, uh, Look, it's it's a formality at this point, but I moved to censure Tony Nita Hall. I really had every intention. Oh, yeah. Just, yes, I'll bet. you did. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't yeah. today. I just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you only had a month and a half now I'm to I'm very busy. <laughs> you did, you're a disappointment. You never failed to disappoint us, Tony. You absolutely never felt this. I am the kid who would have like rather like not. I don't know. Like I've never not done homework, but yeah. Well, you know what? I'm glad you're getting a chance <laughs> to turn that about. Yeah, you really have turned that around. It's pretty impressive. That's one of the things we provide. Tony was up all night. Well, apparently, originally not pooping, but then after <laughs> that. Uh, she was up all night on eBay um, putting in bids for rowboats uh, for the <laughs> uh, flooding apartment. No. So that's fantastic. It sounds like I'm not... I mean, like, I, I've read the book before. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you've mentioned that every time you've been censured, Tony. Yeah. So, Tony... Every if, single time. <laughs> if, you've, if you've read the book before, then, then this section uh, where Richard and Emmeline have grown and blossomed into young teenagers... A sexual awakening awaits them. That must be familiar to you. Yeah. I do think these chapters mark the apex of Dinsdale's spiritual and moral crisis. Oh, don't read <laughs> off the internet about this. She's Googling. We know you can Google. God damn it, she's Googling again. Yeah. You know what? We're going to stop giving the bad kid negative attention and turn... And turn to the good kid who did her reading, I bet. Let's go to the Simi Valley where Bonnie Burns, though stuck in a traffic jam that she definitely didn't cause, probably read her chapters, right, Bonnie? Uh-oh. I think uh -oh. we lost Bonnie. We've lost Bo Bonnie. Nobody can hear you, Bonnie. We can't hear you. We can't hear you at all. This is what religious people go through. I just have to believe she exists. Uh, you know what? We've been trying to pare down our podcast. You know, so it's all meat and no side dishes. And I think we've really done that today. Yeah, because Tony hasn't read and Bonnie's inaudible. So um, well, let's soldier on with it without Bonnie. I'm going to call this book club to a ignominious close. I'm looking forward to something happening in the Scarlet Letter. I guess something at the very end there did happen in that now it's all out in the open. 
sort of, right? Actually, you know, I read, and I didn't get to a part where there was a a, a, a in the sky. Oh, yeah, there was. No, Dimsdale was out at the thing, and the baby and the woman show up, but no, there was no A in the sky. Yeah, there's a bright light in the sky. No, I think you accidentally started reading Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, that's probably what happened. I probably just turned the page, and there it was. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, If you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adam. Yes. One in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list. And the sixth one has start a podcast. If that's you, <laughs> make 2024 the year you finally checked learn a language off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole like getting phrases that are important to know in that language right away, like how to order food, how to ask for directions, how to speak to merchants. And I really dig more than that, the speech recognition technology, because even if some of our listeners think that I have a weird cadence when I am attempting to speak Spanish, (laughs) I am am speaking it well enough for the Babbel app to understand what I'm saying, at least when I do it right, like this. Listen to this. Adios, Carlos. Ya te vas. Si, es tarde. Entonces, buenas noches. Hasta pronto. I don't think you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you.
Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is this some kind of special? Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners at babbel.com slash nobody. If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, and then you just add a slash and the word nobody, and it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adios. Hey, guys, it's Adam. And tonight is January 3rd, and I am picking Giannis Antetokounmpo to score less than 36 points and James Harden to score more than 16. Why? Because I like beards. Am I putting a lot of money on this? I am not, because I'm not really a gambler, but I am having a lot of fun with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So, it's like an insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and Harden again on January 3rd. My hopes are not that high. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Paula, it's time, even though we're lacking Bonnie, for the Poundstone Vocabulary Challenge. All right. As avid listeners to our show know, and upwards of five of you are, each week for four years, I have struggled to increase my vocabulary and that of our listeners and my coworkers. So I've been asking my coworkers definitions of former Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary words to see if they have done any better than I have. Uh, I have memorized two words in the last four years, so the bar is high. For each word my coworkers defined correctly, I add a body part to their portrait that you can find on Facebook or at our website, nobodylistenstopalapoundstone.com. So let's begin. Tony, Anita Hull, are you ready? I am ready. Before, before you get Tony Anita Hull, Bonnie Burns, are you recording? <laughs> yeah, let's do a clap slate. Okay. Here we go. We're going to do one more clap slate. Three, two, one. Okay, and now, Paula, continue. You want me and Bonnie to go away? This podcast episode has a dark <laughs> cloud over it. <laughs> it does. Tony over-medicated herself with <laughs> fiber. Adam's hand came off, and 
I swear that's his wife inside that alligator's mouth. And Bonnie blocked traffic in Southern California uh, this morning, and now her microphone went out or something. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> yeah, we're cursed, but we're going to soldier on, aren't we, Paula? I feel good. Okay, uh, we'll start with Tony. So Bonnie and Adam, excuse us for a moment. All right, Tony, are you ready? I am ready. Uh, all right, Tony, the, the word is magniloquent. Oh, son of a... Um, magniloquent. Um, you use a lot of big words. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I take that back. Yes, I'm going to give you that. Mag- magniloquent is an adjective. Yeah, it's an adjective that means lofty, pompous, or high-flown in speech or style of expression. Oh, there I, you I'll go. I'll give you that. I, thank uh, you. Yay. Uh, wait a minute. Wait, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I got this at a, a consumption festival. Um, I, I, and Tony, guess what? What? Bonus round. Uh, oh my god. Nonplussed. Oh my god. How have I already forgotten it? Okay, it's the opposite of what we think it is. Like you're surprised that in you're surprised, and so you like are non-reactive because you're so surprised. Right. <laughs> wow gosh tony that's fantastic uh, nonplussed is an adjective that means surprised confused not knowing how to react uh, this is i'm tearing up honestly i'm tearing up okay uh tony guess what what extra bonus round oh my God. okay okay this word is stultify oh my god hold on i just had it. Give me one second. It means to. I keep thinking of stupefy, but I know this is Harry Potter spell. Stultify is to to make someone like lose enthusiasm. Uh, no. No. Um, Damn. Stultify is a verb that means to cause to appear foolish, dull-witted, um. or illogical. Um, but you know what, Tony? That was an excellent round for you. This was a. This is a groundbreaking round for you. This is when your really, vocabulary, but... you're going to look back on this and say that's when your vocabulary career turned around. I think, in fact, that when you look for work, you can charge more for your services, whatever they may be, because uh, really huge vocabulary bank. <laughs> okay, uh, so now let me get Bonnie back in. I'll give her the old one finger signal. Boy. There you are. Hey, Bonnie. Oh, my gosh. I thought I saw you say no to Tony, but then I saw two noisemakers. There was a lot of vocabulary drama. Okay. okay. Uh, Bonnie Burns, today's word, a former nobody listens to Paula Pounds, so vocabulary word is magniloquent. I don't rem- even remember you having that word. Neither did I, honestly. What is it? Magniloquent? Magniloquent. <laughs> magniloquent. Oh, what is it? Adjective? Uh, it's an adjective. Magniloquent. Boy, I can really feel you chasing this down mentally. You've got almost cornered. Grandiose. I'll give you that. (gasps) I got one right. Lofty, pompous, or high-flown in speech or style of expression. I think grandiose falls into that. Uh, Magniloquent. Did you get one right? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yay. There could be another breast in this for you. Okay, Bonnie, guess what? What? Bonus round! Oh, now this is going to be so embarrassing. Nonplussed. Not knowing how to react. 
Wow! Wow! Okay, Bonnie, you're not going to believe this. Extra bonus round! Okay, Stultify. Uh, is it... Not sure how to react? Dempstra. <laughs> no, because that was nonplussed that you just did. No, I know. I thought maybe you were trying to fool us. Dempstruck. Um, no. Uh, oh. Stultify is a verb that means to cause to appear foolish, dull-witted, or oh. illogical. But you know what? Right. That was two out of three. That was fantastic. Uh, Bonnie really Burns and Tony Nadehall coming up from behind. All right, let me get Adam. Adam? Adam Felber? What on earth is going on here? I see I see horns blowing. I spent 20 minutes, you know, cleaning up around here. Getting those alligators. I, w- I would yeah. hope there's... Uh, I'll let them out. I'll let them out in the backyard. They're fine was, there. That was probably a good idea. All right, Adam, are you yeah. ready? Sure I am. Okay, today's former Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word is magniloquent. Magniloquent? Yes. Oh, dear. I remember. I think I remember us doing this word, and I think I remember not knowing what it meant. And I am pleased to admit that that continues to be the case. Magniloquent. Well, what we learned today is that you could have taken a couple of fiber gummies and gone <laughs> into the bathroom <laughs> with a dictionary and fixed that. Uh uh, I could have, but yeah. uh, clearly it had, I, I don't know, um, g- uh, given to um, flowery speech, I would say. Wow. Adam Felber. What? Oh, my God. It's an adjective that means lofty, pompous, or high-flown in speech or right. style of expression. Whoa, nice work. I, I just guessed based on magnificent and eloquent. That was yeah. all uh, I did. Uh, but, Adam, guess what? What? Bonus round! No, he's going to get these. Okay. <laughs> Nonplussed. Nonplussed. Oh, that is to uh, prize into silence kind of thing. You shock somebody into non into uh, not knowing what to do. Absolutely. That is <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Adam, that's not the only good news for you here today. The other good news is... What's this? That we're done with this? I think that's Jeannie's upper torso just on that spike behind you. No, <laughs> here's the extra good news. Extra bonus round. Stultify. Stultify. I Okay, you and I have a disagreement about Stultify because I think it's basically to bore somebody. It isn't. Whereas you have this alternative definition where it's to humiliate or make somebody look foolish. A verb that means to cause to appear foolish, dull-witted, or illogical. Yeah, I think that's one of the meanings, maybe. To me, it's like something is stultifying if if it makes you absolutely lose interest in something. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) I remembered Adam's definition. I feel like he was trying to sabotage this. But uh, but I'll give you yours, which is to make look foolish. Well, Tony, why don't you Google it? First Deffy on the old Googs is to <laughs> cause to lose enthusiasm and initiative, especially as a result of a tedious or restrictive routine. Oh. The second definition is cause someone to appear foolish or absurd. Oh. Oh, so it's either or. All right, well, congratulations, Adam Felber. That was three 
of today's former vocabulary word. That's great. Maybe you'll give me three hair follicles on my wrist on this one. I wait. Go. I got the third one right too. Congratulations, Tony <laughs> Anita Hall. I got two right. You know, Tony, I would love to hear you argue in front of the <laughs> Supreme Court. Wait, Justice. Oh no. Oh, yeah, John Roberts doesn't care about your fiber gummies. All right, Tony Anita Hall, uh, your argument has been heard. Uh, I'll grant you your third point. That's three for Adam, three for Tony, and two for Bonnie. Uh, congratulations to all of congratulations you. Congratulations to everybody. <coughs> really? All right, everybody. You know, Dan Rather said ratings don't last. You know what? Good Before journalism you talk does. about Dan Rather. <laughs> I really want, I'd rather just talk about Dan Rather. I would just like to remind everyone that Richard and Emmeline have grown and blossomed <laughs> into young teenagers, and a sexual awakening awaits them. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Thank you, Paul. Again, that's Blue Lagoon, not Scarlet Letter. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Okay, Dan Rather said, ratings don't last, good journalism does. But good journalists, they only last if they know how to watch both the story and their own asses. We'll find out how when we come back. On this day in unremarkable history, Johann Gutenberg, who printed the first Bible on a press, said, Imagine how different the world would be if Moses carried a water bottle. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Thank you, house band Tim Sway. Yeah. Paula, you have this pensive look on your face. Don't I? Like you're remembering something. Like you're lost in a remembrance. Yeah. Adam, I have the cartoon series Underdog on DVD. I loved it when I was growing up. I had the board game. So I got the show on DVD for my kids. As an adult, however, I realize Sweet Polly Purebred, who was a dogged reporter, was constantly a mark. In every episode, (laughs) she had to yell for the superhero underdog to come to her rescue. Now, of course, that was just a cartoon. There are no superheroes, no dogs in capes. But there were some truths in that cartoon series. And one of them is that journalism, particularly for women journalists, uh, can be risky. There's some training that can help women journalists mitigate some of the danger. I'm glad of that. Because especially in this time when disinformation is a powerful weapon employed by suppressive forces around the world, journalism is important. That's all I know, though, is that such a training exists. I have no idea where, what, who might access it. I'm sure someone knows, but I don't. If Sweet Polly Purebred were to ask me, I'd just have to tell her maybe Tony could Google it for her because I don't think I'll ever meet anyone who could inform me about this training. Certainly not here on this goofy podcast. Yeah, that's unfortunate, Paula, because, uh, you know, our guest this week is the curator of the Pez Museum. Well, that's important, too. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I have that wrong. That's next week's guest. This week's guest is the very expert you seek, Paula. No. Well, that is a coincidence with a side of cream corn. It is, but it's true. She is the executive director of the International Women's Media Foundation and a leading expert on the intersections between gender equity and press freedom. My old job. Please welcome Elisa Lise Munoz to our show. Thank you. Hey, Elisa. So glad you're here. Tell us about your organization. 
The International Women's Media Foundation was founded 30 years ago by a group of women journalists, some of whom you have probably heard of, Judy Woodruff, Susan King, old Washington, D.C. reporter, Maureen Bunyan, Eleanor Clift. These are women who grew in their careers in the 80s and have recognized the importance of gender equity in the news media. Obviously, extremely successful journalists, but they fought a glass ceiling to get there. And one of the wonderful things about women in general and women journalists is that they care about their peers and they look out for each other. And that includes international journalists. So when the IWMF first began, there was a huge focus on what was happening to women journalists around the world. We have a Courage in Journalism Award to this day that has been awarding international women journalists who have gone through some of the most extreme circumstances you can imagine, imprisonment, attacks, shootings, kidnappings, sexual assault, families being threatened, families being harmed. And we recognize their sacrifices to getting the truth out to the world. And that is what the IWMF continues to do. And very sadly, in the last several years, our work has had to be focused on the situation for U.S. journalists as well. Yeah. We've seen footage of journalists in violent situations yelling at their assailants. So I'm, in, I'm with the press and they have the signs. The pre- Does that even work? And, and what are the rules that should make that work? Uh, it certainly didn't work uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests right here in our own country, where, in fact, we saw videos of press being assaulted. There has been a tremendous evolution of the power of the flak jacket that says press on it or the car that has press written on the top so that helicopters would not attack it. And this happened really after the Bosnian Wars, potentially with the advent of social media, where adversaries and armed groups didn't need journalists anymore to tell their stories. They could go directly to social media and alleviate the need for the middleman. But in the US, uh, in particular, during the social protests. Unfortunately, what we found is that journalists were not only being attacked by protesters, counter-protesters, but distinctly being targeted by police, who, for reasons we are all very well aware of, did not want their actions being recorded or reported or shared with the general public. Is there any of that that can be laid at the feet of politicians, some of whom might have referred repeatedly to the press as, I don't know, things like enemy of the people? I think, sadly, there is a direct correlation with the portrayal of journalists as enemies, enemies of the state, and and as people who aren't looking out for the best interests of communities, despite the fact that there is ample research that when journalists disappear, So many indicators of a healthy community disappear with it. Corruption increases. Poverty increases. So many other indicators that tell us through research and data that journalism helps societies flourish. 
I want to get to exactly what the organization does. I, I know this is a silly question, but when I, I looked at your website, what is the significance of the picture of the handcuffs and the bobby pins on the website? Well, I have been fortunate to work at the International Women's Media Foundation for 17 years. And I can tell you that I'm probably one of the only people who can walk into a conference room and see a group of women sitting around with handcuffs and bobby pins learning how to get out of handcuffs. Wow. Can you do that? I have not tried the handcuff trick, but another trick that we train journalists on and consider how sad it is that journalists need to learn this is how to get out of duct tape when their hands are wrapped in duct tape and also how to get out of zip ties using shoelaces. Okay. I know that you're here to tell us why this is important, but can you also tell us how to do it? <laughs> I I want to know too. Because <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, yeah Bonnie I wants to know too. Very I cool. can describe it. There is a TikTok video that you might want to research. Essentially, if your okay. hands are behind you in zip ties, you have to somehow, and it might require several classes of yoga, figure out how to get your shoelaces, or perhaps you can use the shoelaces of, of somebody who might be held with you. You grab the shoelace and you make it taut enough with your mouth and your feet. Um, and you basically use friction to burn through the plastic. I've seen it done. It sounds impossible. It kind of causes enough friction to act almost like a knife. I've, I've actually done it before. And I've also done the duct tape one before. Wow. You have, Paula? Yes, I was not captured. I did a training where I learned to do it. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's possible, which sounds crazy, but you don't know how to do it unless you're trained how to do it. Yeah. So if you're the kind of person whose wife does this to you and assures you it's part of some kind of romantic play, but then leaves for hours, it would be a good idea to have shoelaces handy is what you're saying. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I talked to you about that before. I'm checking some boxes here for my own personal uh, <laughs> So not loafers. Um, Okay. No, <laughs> good to know. There was my mistake. It was the loafers. Yeah, God, yeah. Sorry. Go when on, you hate it, if you went through all that training, and then the day arrives where something you know horrible happens, <laughs> and you look down, and all you got is pennies. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, everybody. Albert Camus once said, "A free press can be good or bad, but most certainly, without freedom, a press will never be anything but bad." And then he added, except for the reviewer at the Paris Gazette, he should be shot. We'll learn more about defending journalists' existence from existentialists and everyone else when we come back. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Fun fact, as of 2023, there are over 5 million podcasts with over 70 million episodes, and at least six of them have never had Patton Oswalt. <laughs> Patton's on a lot of podcasts. And we're back with Elisa Lees Munoz. Paula. Elisa, if I was a journalist and I took your training... What skills would I learn and, and how long is the training? The training is usually a few days long. It depends. We're very adaptable. And that's because we really want to meet journalists and news organizations where they are. We believe that this training is invaluable, whether it's one day long or four days long. And it's really critical to understand that it's not one size fits all. It mm -hmm. really has to apply to a region, for example, we uh, have been doing some training on the U.S.-Mexico border. We've done a lot of trainings in Africa. We're doing trainings in Texas. Right now, we're doing a training for the Dallas Morning News on the heels of the Uvalde uh, mass shooting. So it is a really sad time for them and mm -hmm. really yeah. hits home how critical it is for those who are part of these communities who are experiencing these violence are also working through this violence and they need to know what to do in these situations. So it's a really serious subject. And the things that we learn is that you need to be prepared before the situation happens. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you need to have a safety plan and safety protocols in place before you walk out that door even inside that door. Unfortunately, we know of the serious incidents of violence directed inside of newsrooms. And so here are some of the things that a safety trainer might tell you that you need to do. And once you hear them, honestly, you can't help but do them everywhere you go. Find at least three exits as soon as you walk in a room. 
so that if there's a active shooter situation going on, you know, if one exit you see is blocked, you mm-hmm. can run to two other exits, find places to hide more than one, again, for the same reason. Really important to know how to diffuse situations. So if you're in a mass situation, a mob scene, understand that you need to stay on the periphery of the activities. Always know how to get away. Look at a map before you go out so that you know the area and you know the streets. All right. You know what? That just ruined my journalism career. <laughs> I, yes, you I, have, I have such a bad sense of direction and even maps don't help. Sorry to interrupt. You definitely don't want to be using GPS when you're trying to get away in those situations. So you need to do all of this ahead of time. If you have protective gear, you need to know how to use it. It's not enough to just have the materials that you need in case you're tear gassed. You actually need to know how to use them and what to do. Another really critical aspect of our training is the medical training. We have an incredible safety director who has had a lot of first aid training. And so he puts together these massive medical kits. But you need to know where the stuff is and what you need to use and when. Also, one of the really, really critical factors and what sets our training apart from traditional training is that we really focus on identity and what are the dangers that individuals are facing because of their identity, because of their ethnicity, because of their orientation. So Mm -hmm. a, a trans journalist is going to need different training than a non-binary journalist, than a cis journalist, a white male journalist is going to need different training than a African-American woman journalist, a black woman journalist, a black man journalist. In what way? Can you give me an example of, of what would be different? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. If you're a black woman journalist going out to cover national extremists, you need to know that you are probably going to be targeted and Mm -hmm. you need to be able to address that. And we've talked to many women journalists and they should not be prohibited or stopped from doing this kind of coverage. They should be given the tools that they need to be able to do it as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. Really being in tune with how your identity plays into the situation is really critically important. Um, One of the programs that IWMF has done is to actually do training for trainers of color who can provide this training in their communities to journalists who have shared lived experiences. So does that make the actual advice different? Like. Would you advise a white male journalist in a mob situation to go to the police? And would you advise a woman of color to not go to the police? Potentially, yes. I am not a a trainer, but it's my understanding that there would be very much hesitation from a black journalist to go to the police in those situations. So the advice might be stay in the periphery, try to get away, don't approach the police, whereas... I mean, and we saw, we saw during the protests, obviously white men journalists are attacked. They face a lot of dangers. It's just different. Sadly, one of the things that women journalists take into combat zones, for example, is the morning after pill. 
it is considered by many journalists the price of doing business. It's tragic, but true. And by the way, they may not be able to get it here soon. Exactly. What about online abuse? Well, online abuse is absolutely a differentiator when it comes to white men and everybody else. Women journalists, particularly women journalists of color, are extreme targets of online hate and violence. And we like to call it online violence because it has some of the same results as physical violence. There's a lot of research that shows that if you are opening your computer every morning and getting death threats, rape threats, your family's being threatened, perhaps you're being doxxed, which means that your home information is being shared. That is traumatizing and that leads Mm -hmm. you to exhibit symptoms similar to PTSD. Uh, Journalists have to really take mental health seriously because this trauma is in your home, which makes it even more troubling. And it's also really hard to discern whether the threat is imminent, real, totally not possible. And so you need training and you need support from experts to help you navigate those things One of the things that our trainers always say, and I wonder if any of you have done this, is to use services like Delete Me or Privacy Duck, which scans the internet and periodically deletes your home information, your private information, your telephone number. You can include family members in that because oftentimes people find you through your family members. And we encourage all journalists and all media organizations to make this available. That's the minimum standard is to delete your private information from your uh, social media and on the Internet in general, which is very, very difficult if you don't have one of these services, unfortunately. That sounds like a really good idea. No, I haven't done that, but but I will. Tell me some situations where... By the way, I mentioned to you earlier when we weren't recording that I'm listening to Maria Reza's book, How to Stop a Dictator. Yeah. I'm a little bit off on the title, I think, but that's Mm -hmm. the gist of it. Um, And one of the things she mentions in the early part of her first sort of going into the field where she would really be at risk because of where she was and what she was covering, uh, coups and the like. One of the things she says is, and I've heard this from male journalists as well, uh, that the the rush is addictive. Mm. Have you heard that from other women journalists? We have. Um, I, I think what we hear more than sort of the adrenaline rush of the danger is the calling and the extreme need to feel that they are exposing a wrong and to do this at all cost, which I am not a journalist. I've worked in human rights my entire career. I haven't felt that kind of compunction to run towards danger that journalists feel the need to do. I think that is so admirable and and something that we all need to understand better, especially given the risks that we're talking about today. So I don't think everybody functions on sort of this adrenaline junkie uh, experience. But especially local journalists who are reporting on their own countries just have this compelling need to not bow down to authority. 
I don't think she was suggesting that that was why she was doing the work that she yeah. does, but that that was perhaps a byproduct. Um, yeah. I've definitely met a couple of journalists who absolutely crave that. That's why they go to the war zones, because because of the rush. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a, a great character trait, but I've definitely met those guys. You know, when I was in junior high, I was among a group of winners, I tied for first place, uh, in a poetry reading contest. And I remember we had our group picture taken in the principal's office, and there was an article written about it in the Fence Viewer newspaper, which was a local uh, Sudbury, Massachusetts newspaper. I think that journalist did get a rush from the excitement. <laughs> the danger and the excitement. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Sure, sure, sure. All right, Elisa, tell me some situations where using the, the training, have you heard back from journalists who said, oh my gosh, thank goodness I had yeah. this training uh, because I was in such and such a, a situation? Absolutely. The most extreme situation I can tell you about happened to a journalist who was reporting in the DRC. She was working as a freelancer with a couple of other male journalists. They decided to take a break. They were in the jungle. She took off her shoes, which is something that people are told not to do, put down all of her equipment, and they were ambushed by an armed militia group. And they all ran in different directions. She jumped into an unused mineral mine and hid there for, I think it was 24 hours or more. And she came back and told us that she kept thinking about the voice of our security trainer in her head, telling her to keep hiding longer than she thought would be necessary. And she just said that she just kept running through the scenarios She said that it was the referencing, the seeing our trainer's face, the reliving the training that helped her stay calm and stay in that mind for as long as she did. And then she came out and was eventually found and rescued, which was incredible. Another journalist used the CPR that she learned during our training to save a man's life on an airplane flight. He was having a heart attack and she did CPR and she broke his rib, but he survived. That's going to be so gratifying. It has to be, yeah. It, it truly is. Elisa, that was just excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. She is the executive director of the International Women's Media Foundation, Elisa Lise Munoz, everybody. Elisa, thanks so much for coming here. Thank you. Super important. Thank you. I really appreciate your paying attention to this important issue. Uh, Yes, thank you so much. Uh, We really appreciate it. And I, you'll have to excuse me. I have, I'm wearing loafers right now. I'm just going to slip into my closet. Go change your shoes. Yeah. As Elisa could tell you, you you should be treating every podcast episode as though you're in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm taking those Velcro shoes and throwing them away. There's no point. They're useless. That's right. Coming up, will you be able to solve our clever conundrums? Will Captain Crinkles even be solvable? The Poundstone (laughs) Riddle Invitational is back when we come back. The cat of the week is Joanne Miauli from Linden, Kansas. Congratulations. Hi, it's just me, Paula Poundstone. This summer, we've got kids out of school and a political party that won't follow the rule. The earth can't stop heating and I can't stop eating. 
chips. We need laughs. If Jack Smith doesn't come across really soon, I'm going to move to the fucking moon. We need laughs. We'll all still be victims of corporate greed, and now we've got the mental image of Rudy's seed somewhere near his office phone. I have no rhyme with phone. It just stops there. Let's spend a summer night laughing together. Go to paulapoundstone.com to see when I'll be at a theater near you. That's paulapoundstone.com. Rudy's seed somewhere near his office phone. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's just me, Paula Boundstone. I want to tell you about a HeadGum podcast I think you're going to love. Fake the Nation with Nagin Farsad, which I've done a few times now. So much fun. You may know Nagin from her TED Talk, from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or her book, How to Make White People Laugh. On Fake the Nation, Nagin and a rotating cast of her funniest, smartest, and most politically astute friends, people like Samantha Bee, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Paula Poundstone, Larry <laughs> Wilmore, Margaret Cho, and more. Break down the news, make you laugh, think, and deliver a gut punch to humanity. Wait, do we really want to deliver a gut punch to you? I thought we wanted to uplift humanity, support, <laughs> uh, protect humanity. But apparently Nagin has gone over to the dark side. I'll tell you, I, I have had so much fun doing this show. Nagin tells me that one time I role played Naomi Osaka's publicist. I don't recall that at all, uh, but... <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to that episode and listen to it because it sounds funny. Uh, Uprox calls Fake the Nation the perfect lighthearted fit for a newsy podcast queue that needs a little levity. Meaning the news needs a little levity, <laughs> not the podcast because it is very funny. Subscribe now so you don't miss another episode of Fake the Nation airing every Thursday. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or, and I hate this phrase, Wherever you listen to podcasts, like none of us would figure that out. And now, a news update from the dental chair. Russia issued an arrest warrant for Lindsey Graham. This has been a news update from the dental chair. We are back. Thank you, Tim Sway. Remember, you can learn more about Tim's instruments at newperspectivesmusic.com or check out his side hustle at www.guineapigtanks.com for all your guinea pig needs. Wow. Hey, Paula, speaking about needs, what if I'm an American out there somewhere in this great land of ours and I need to see Paula Poundstone live? I can't help you. Uh Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so excited to be going to Seattle, Washington to the Neptune Theater on Friday, June 23rd. 
because I love Seattle, but also because Hawaiian potato chips are made in Washington State. So it'll be like going to Hawaii, paradise. And also, your very beloved Captain Crinkle is from Seattle, went to high school in Seattle. Yeah, another pep club effort. She's not just from Seattle. She discovered Seattle. Discovered Seattle. (laughs) Her bringing word. When she moved to L.A., she brought word of Seattle to the rest of the country. Prior to that, they were, I mean, they were there, but they were isolated. Nobody knew about them. It was Bonnie Burns. And she was against calling it Seattle because, uh, you know, sea is another word for ocean. And she's like, this is not on the ocean, people. Wake the fuck up. I told you guys. Long time ago, people hadn't heard of Seattle that much. I'd say I'm from <laughs> yeah, Seattle, yeah. and they'd go, the what? Yeah, it's absolutely what? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Well, you know what that tells me is that you, at one point in your life, associated with some people that weren't very bright. That's what that tells me. And <laughs> that tells me that I too. think the story about your friend who talked in meows is case in point. Your Honor, I rest my case. Um, There's a trail of evidence leading in that direction. But Paula, besides Seattle, where else are you going to be? Oh, wait, did she get out where to get tickets? It's important. I did. I think I said <laughs> that you can get tickets at paulapoundstone.com. I believe I mentioned that. Uh, she did. Or for you, Bonnie, you can get tickets at meow, 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 meow. <laughs> yeah. Neptune Theater in Seattle. All the folks back home are so excited about you being there. <laughs> I might even yeah. come up for the show. I'll sit with my family. Oh, my gosh. Oh my and God. rediscover... Ooh. Seattle. Good news. When you go to airports now, they know where Seattle is. They can fly you there. Yeah, (laughs) Seattle's founder. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen one of the old, like, travelogue films where they show the plane trying to fly into Seattle and it just circles and circles and it goes in, like, all sorts of different shapes because they're like, where the hell is this? And then Bonnie Burns walks into the cockpit and points with her finger. It's down there. It's Seattle. It's down there. She is (laughs) honestly. See Mount Rainier Paula, I'm old enough to remember when I was a kid in third grade, I remember that we would ask the teacher, what's the biggest city in Washington state? Yeah. And the answer was always nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. The, the yeah. contribution that Bonnie Burns has made. Um, it's huge. To, immeasurable. To Seattle, to the Native Americans. It, it, absolutely immeasurable. But, you know, Seattle isn't the only place I'm going. Uh, I'm also going to Agonquit, Maine, to Jonathan's on Friday, July 14th. Listeners might want to grab a hotel room in Ogunquit for a day or two of rocky coast of Maine, complete with a night of laughter. You can get tickets at paulapoundstone.com. And wait a minute. It's like the Ginsu knife, ladies and gentlemen. That's not all. (laughs) I'm also going to Cherry Grove, New York, to the Ice Palace on Saturday, July 22nd. Bring a friend. Get out and laugh. Fight the scourge of loneliness. You can get tickets at paulapoundstone.com. Wow. Yeah. It's just a parade of Poundstone appearances. It's a lot. I'm very much looking forward to it. I would love to go to Algonquin, Maine, but I'm going to have to wait until Bonnie discovers it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish she could do what Algonquin, what she has done for Seattle. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. They might even get a baseball team if she does that. Hey, uh, everybody, you know what it's time for? Speaking of of questions that can't be answered, it's time for the Poundstone Riddle Invitational. Oh, boy. Yay. I am so on edge about this. We got the uh, boogie woogie, boogie woogie, boogie woogie beat. Was that the what you wanted me to sing for the theme song? I couldn't remember. Well, that, it's not really a theme song. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> 
The whole thing about the oh theme song, Bonnie, is that it, it, it's sort of like when you're going to feed your dog and so you get his food bowl out and he goes, oh, I'm going to get fed. So you, you, yeah. the, the theme song sort of tells the listener what's coming up. And so now they're expecting the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. <laughs> and that's not what we have coming up. We have uh, the uh, Poundstone Riddle Invitational. Is coming up. Yes, we have all come up with amazing riddles to beguile each other and our listeners with. Now, this is not a competition. Tony does not need to keep score. We're just going to give each other riddles. Um, Right, Paula? We don't need to keep score. It's it's not a competition, but if it was, I win. Okay. Okay. Paula, why don't you give us the first riddle? Uh, All right. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone who made this win possible. Uh, you, I think okay. you all know who you are. Uh, okay, here's my riddle. I sometimes have a good point, but I'm prepared in case I make an error. Who am I? I think I know. Whose woods are these? I think I know. An eraser. You're a pencil. You're a pencil. Oh. A good point would be the pencil part. You're absolutely right, Adam Felber. And in case you guys couldn't get it, I had an additional clue, which was... Water has nothing to do with me. <laughs> okay. If, it, if, this is, if this is your first time uh, at the Poundstone Podcast or with the Riddle Invitational, Bonnie Burns' Riddle, our first time through, was I am flat and I don't like water. And it turned out the answer was <laughs> a pencil. Because Lad yeah. doesn't like water. If you put your pencil point in water, it'd be hard to write with. Yeah. It's really yeah, not yeah, helpful. no, still yeah. nothing, doing yeah. nothing so for me. Weird. Yeah, all right. It was, yeah, it really, right. it was, it was obtuse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's still not good, Bonnie. Defending it though is nice. Right. It's a nice touch. Um, here, here comes mine. What tastes great, feels great in your mouth, but can never be swallowed? A dick. <laughs> I was gonna say a dick. Except I don't know if I agree with all the. I don't know if I agree with everything he just said. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, uh, well, not me, where I was going at all. Was, okay. um, Sorry, what, say it again. What tastes, tastes great, feels yeah. great in your mouth, and can never be swallowed. Okay, L- uh, let me change. Uh, you you want to change tactics there a little bit? I was really not going there. Um, Although I wish I'd thought of that line in high school. I would say a dick with icing. I think. <laughs> well, that's correct. You are correct. Ding, 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 ding. No. No, it has nothing to do with that. It tastes well, great. It tastes there, great. Feels it, great in your mouth. It feels yeah. good in your mouth. But can never be swallowed. I don't think there's that many things that things feel good in your feel mouth. Feel good in your mouth. I feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. Your tongue. Your tongue! Tony Anita Hall is right. Your tongue is great at taste. Oh. Your tongue. Oh, did you look that up or you... you? No! No! <laughs> All right. You know you know you've offended Tony when she gives you her two-syllable no. Noah! <laughs> Noah! <laughs> Tony, that was well done. Yeah, that was very... Really thinking outside of the box there, Tony Anita Hall. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel almost embarrassed of my dick with icing answer. Okay, I have one. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Okay. My head's bigger than my body. My head is hard. I enjoy getting laid. This is a dick. 
No. Actually, it's my head's bigger than my body. I have a hard head. I enjoy getting late. My head's bigger than my body. I don't know. I can't think of anything other than a dick. I have. Well, that's not our problem, Tony. That's something to talk to your own therapist about. Tony Anita Hollis, put that on the quote board. I can't think of anything other than dick. I thought when I said my head's bigger than my body, one of you guys would go, it's Adam. Because he's lost so much weight, his head might be bigger than his body. <laughs> no, Adam, your head is not okay. bigger than can, your body. Can, can you replay? Can you one more time, Bonnie? My head's bigger than my body. I enjoy getting laid. I enjoy getting laid. Laid. I'm hard headed. Uh, a bed. A bed? My head. <laughs> oh, like a headboard and a. A headboard? I don't know. A mattress you know, frame. A bed frame. An egg. Head. An egg. Well, they get laid. I like. I thought that might be fun. I think it's something like that. A hammer. That's not bad. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the getting laid part that kind of like you know makes that one rough. What what gets laid? Like blankets and corpses and eggs. That's the biggest clue. I enjoy getting laid. It's the biggest clue. My pillow guy. It's the my pillow guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Want to know? Yes. Yes. A spoon. It doesn't have a head. Wait, it does. Wait, the head what? of the spoon. I think it's pretty good. It's bigger there's... than the end of the spoon. Okay. Come on. There's you no a head wait, of no, the spoon. No, it isn't. No. Yes, there's it no is. head of a it's spoon. It's a round head and then like a thing that you hold the no. spoon with. And the, wait, what thing... about the enjoy getting laid thing? What are you on talking the table. about? You get they laid on the know. table. Like spoons don't enjoy. Oh my God! No. <laughs> Bonnie, what the? F- Honestly, I, I think my pillow guy answer was better than Bonnie's actual answer. I, I think it is. Case. You know spoons, what? Spoons don't have enjoyment, and there's no head to a spoon. There is no. The Wikipedia entrance to spoon says a spoon is a utensil consisting of a shallow bowl, also known as a head. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, but what about the handle? It doesn't have a body. Uh, no, it says end of the handle. There's no. Thank head. you. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, head there is. Body. There's no body. And it doesn't enjoy anything, as Paula said. I know a spoon doesn't have feelings. I should have said I get late. But you know what, Bonnie? At least it's very clear you wrote this yourself. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Yeah. I enjoy getting laid. Okay. No, okay, okay, I get well, laid. I get laid frequently. When Bonnie was in school, how fucked up were the kids who cheated <laughs> off her paper? <laughs> I, those people never graduated, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tony Anita Hall, if you can get your Whoa. mind out of the gutter, what oh do you have gosh. for us? Well, it's funny the way mine starts when you say that. Mine's a Uh-oh. little lengthy. Okay. Right. Okay. Oh, that's good. You're, you're all going to know this. Um, my penis is small in length and in girth. In my big white boots, I've walked the earth. I love taking away everyone's rights. I prefer guns over knife fights. I'm set on sticking it to the mouse, and I soon may be headed to the White House. Who am I? It's a cat. Okay. A cat. Wait I would say that it's Ron DeSantis except for <laughs> very much like a spoon doesn't have a body. He's not headed to the fucking White House. Yeah. As soon maybe had it. No, no way. No, absolutely no. no. That guy, if you've ever heard him speak, when America hears Ron DeSantis speak, this whole delusion that he's going to the White House is going to end. Um, 
But uh, that's a good riddle, uh, Tony. It, it does start with dick, um, but it, it goes elsewhere. That's it, good. Yeah. And it yeah. rhymes. I wrote it, it during segment it. one. It's, it's, it rhymes. <laughs> I have to say, Tony, there's very little mystery to it. Uh, yeah. You've it's given, not a tough riddle. No, you've given a real, a careful, that would be like if this was my riddle. <laughs> my name is Tony Anita Hull. <laughs> I, yeah. I flood a lot of apartments. Oh my oh, God, stop oh, saying whoa. it. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Noah. Wait, t- but Paula, I know this one. I know this one. Uh, yeah. Is it a dick? Yes, dick is correct. Is it a dick? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. My God, I've got a puke. Wait. Okay. I have um, white boots. What was it? I have white, big white boots. He wore those stupid, I guess they were like wellies. Yeah, yeah. waiters. Wait, did you guess they it and really I didn't dumb. hear it? What was he it? wore? Oh, we well, all guessed it. Bonnie. All guessed what was it? Except, <laughs> except if I can rewind, it no, was wait. Ron DeSantis. Oh, it was Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yes, and I want you to explain your guess. A cat. Because she said, <laughs> out. "I have a small penis," and I thought, "Well, maybe okay. a cat has a small penis, and she likes cats." And then she said something about a mouse, and I just disregarded all the other stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stumped someone. See, it wasn't that easy. How does she know Rhonda Sanders has a small penis? I'm just oh, guessing. That's a whole nother story. Um, Bonnie, what do you think you're up to in in terms of like words that you skip per sentence while listening? <laughs> no, I think what happened, we hear each other over Zoom and mine's been kind of freezing, and I think what happened is that part didn't get said. I just I call BS. No Bonnie, this problem no with offense. you predates Zoom in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before there was a Zoom, there was this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even when we were in the studio together. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Hey, everybody, if you want to send us your own riddles, because it's an invitational and we're hereby inviting you, um, the way to do that, there's two ways. You could go to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com and click the Contact Us link. And while you're there, pick up some of our fantastic new merch, including the I'm a Nobody t-shirt or the I'm a Nobody cap. Those are both fantastic. That's at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. Or if you're super old-fashioned, you could always email us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And Paula, speaking of great products, what's going on in your empire this week? Adam! Adam! This is so important. I have a feeling it's going to be a blistering hot summer. So what better garment could a listener hope to have than my remarkably soft Try poly blend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left front and a memorable quote on the back. It's light and soft, and Anna Wintour has been begging me for one for years. Anna, like anyone else, you can find this high fashion wear at the shop at polypoundstone.com. And no, I won't go to the Met with you. And speaking of summer, there's a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, just hoping to join you and your lemonade in the hammock for a refreshing summer read. So go to polypoundstone.com and click on the shop tab. Can I say one more thing about that book? It's fantastic on audio, that book. Read by the author, extremely well produced by her manager, but it really is. It's such a great book to listen to. 
It is a good book to listen to. Well, that's very nice to hear. Thank you. Bonnie! What? Did you actually listen to the book or just every other <laughs> line, every other word? <laughs> I was listening when you recorded it. I'll bet you were. You think she'd want to know how it turned out. And speaking about how it turns out, let's find out how the Scarlet Letter turns out by next week reading chapters 13, 14, or fi- and 15. Or, if you're Tony Anita Hall, reading chapters <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. I'm on it. Tony, you yeah. should put the book in the bathroom before you pop your gummies. <laughs> yeah. That is just gross, by the way, Tony. Just I'm absolutely so, I, I think I actually have a stomach bug. Um, Because I was with a friend over the weekend who just texted me that her and her husband are very, very sick in the same way in which I am. Oh, for Christ's so, sake. I guess oh, it wasn't man. the gummies. So if you're the uh, CEO of FiberGummies.com, uh, <laughs> we want to clear your name and say, please, feel free to advertise on our show. Do you remember that song, Blame It on the Fiber Gummies? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. That da, was a great da, da, song. Da, da. Okay. Often misquoted as involving a bossa nova, but it doesn't. I think that's a song you wanted for the theme song. I <laughs> blame it on the bossa nova. I, I think that's no, what you wanted. No, Woogie Woogie Bugle Boy. <laughs> no, she didn't want that. I couldn't oh, remember I what she wanted. Chunk. Okay, sorry, Adam, for interrupting you. <laughs> sorry, Adam. Boy. We can't seem it's to stop right. interrupting today. No, Sorry about we can't, that, Adam. Can we? I, I, I have, no. No, we can't. But if you want to hear more of this, and I tell you there's 255 more episodes of it, follow <laughs> us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're free. Uh, if you want to know more about some subject or topic, well, you can hit us up at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com or email us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com and that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Elisa Lise Munoz. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. And thanks to house band Tim Sway. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Berkobian. We are edited by Vic Lowry. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? I just, you know, Adam, I kind of, I drifted off there a bit because I got, I heard you say edited by Mm -hmm. Vic Lowry. Sure. Yeah. Is this show edited? (laughs) It, it's, it doesn't feel like it to anybody, but yeah. Yeah. You should hear it when it's not edited. Yeah. So there's there's shit that we say, yeah, that doesn't make it onto the podcast. Uh, believe me, I, it's, it's mind-boggling to me when I listen to the podcast as to anybody else. But yeah, there's a ton of shit we say that doesn't make it. So somebody looking with a critical eye, like 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 Vic Lowry, um, goes yeah. through and mm-hmm. takes out the stuff that wasn't any good. Well, everything that can be removed. It's like a delicate operation. And, and, you know, he walks out of the operating room and says, I got as much of it as I could, but you don't have much time left. Yeah. That's what he says. It's like, you're not here. You're not here. It's exactly what he says. You're not, you're not here. You're not here. Um, Vic, take that out. Take that out, Vic. Take take her out. a, A lot of the really bad stuff is like a bearing wall. On our show, yeah. you exactly. You couldn't really. I could. I can't. I can't remove that, or else the whole podcast comes yeah, down. Exactly. Vic says that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm just shocked. Yeah. 
I'm shocked to hear that. So do you think, yeah. like, uh, so do you think the stuff about Tony's fiber gummy addiction <laughs> is going to stay? It's, it's, you're you're not, not here. here. You're not here. Uh, do you think this do you stuff? Th- do you think that whole thing about, like, no. how, like, every answer to the riddles was dick is going to be left <laughs> Oh, my God, yeah. stop. Yeah. Uh, Tony, you're not here right now. You're not here, Doesn't Tony. Me. You can just you, not be here. Yeah. I thought Go you to was, the bathroom. I thought she was yeah. sick, but apparently she has the energy to be here. And she's not supposed <laughs> to be here. In the segment, she's here. not in. Wait, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Tony, show to end, so. Tony, you're you're not here. <laughs> you're not and here. And you can leave it, it any time you not want. Here. You're not here. Oh, my God. You're really hard to cope with, uh, body yeah. and... Tony. <laughs> Look, she just went in the bathroom to throw up. <laughs> Tony, you're not here. And you're okay. not here either. And she and disappeared. <laughs> and you're certainly not here to give a blow-by-blow on whether or not Tony's throwing up or not. Um, <laughs> oh, here's a riddle. I enjoy a blow-by-blow. <laughs> That's... My head is bigger than my <laughs> shaft. Okay, um, wait. I, oh, Ronda Ladle. That's right. Yeah, that's the answer. Ronda Spoon. Yeah. Um, Ronda, yeah. Spoon. <laughs> Ronda Ladle. I love that. Dinsdale is right. torturing himself. Both. Like you bad. <laughs> it looked like you left to go throw up. You don't know whether she went to throw up well, or not. I don't, she disappeared. She's been looking sick to her stomach. But that doesn't mean that someone's throwing. You know what? You're not here. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Vic, you can just take all of that out. Vic, wait. <laughs> so, so there's some he would leave in. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. Hey, everybody! As longtime listeners know, when Helix mattresses first started sponsoring our show. Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, If you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code.